Welcome back to WEMcast. My name's Will Duffin, Education Lead and General Practitioner. On this episode, which is a special episode, I am talking to Dr. Bryony Poynton. Now, many of us adventurous types are stuck back at home or working in a local hospital during lockdown, uh, but there is one extreme medic who's out there and she's speaking to us today 10,000 miles away from her normal home in Chichester. She's on the JCR, the James Clark Ross research vessel uh, with the British Antarctic Survey, and she's currently on her way down to the Rothera Research Station, so she's very, very far south. So we're going to chat to Bryony, and we're going to get a, a, a feel from her uh, on how things are going. And before we do that, I'll just tell you a little bit about Bryony. So she spent nine years in the Royal Navy as a GP. She served in Afghanistan and Kosovo as well as, well as on various ships. And she left the Royal Navy, Royal Navy, Royal Navy to, to find more adventure. And over, in, in the following eight years, she's worked on cruise ships. She's been on the doctor on expeditions to places like Namibia, Honduras, Papua New Guinea. She's worked on TV shows. Uh, she's done all kinds of, of interesting things. And uh, this current trip, she's on her way down to Antarctica. This is actually her third uh, time on an Antarctic ship as the ship's doctor. Uh, so really, really great to have you on the podcast, Bryony. You're very, very welcome. How are you? Um, thanks, Will. Yeah, um, I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah, we're just currently sailing across the Drake's Passage um, and it's calmer than normal. So all's good at the moment. Yeah, good. But I, I understand there might be some uh, some weather coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be getting a bit rougher later, which is normal for the Drake's Passage. And uh, we're going to be I'm going to be crossing it about eight times this time. And the first time it was particularly rough. The crew said rougher than they've had for the last two years. And uh, yeah, a few things crashing about and most things survived, I think. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good. Yes. And um, tell us a little bit about the, the ship that you're on. Um, so I'm on James Clark Ross. Um, it's at the moment, it's the only British Antarctic Survey ship. Um, usually there were two and soon we're going to have the Sir David Attenborough, the big new one. Um, it's a research ship, so it will have normally have scientists on, but we don't have anyone at the moment. And they'll be doing all sorts of marine science. Um, and it's also to bring cargo in and out of all the bases down here in Antarctica and in sub-Antarctica as well. So it's very much a working ship down south. It also works in the Arctic for the other half of the year sometimes as well. I see. So is it in constant operation throughout the year? Um, it has sometimes when it's uh, resting and being in refit. So after this, it will uh, go back to the UK for a little bit um, and then over to Denmark, I think, for, for some work. But uh, it, it does often work in the Arctic in, the, in our summer. How many crew are on board at the moment, Bryony? So it's nice and quiet at the moment. We've only got about 30 crew, um, which is the normal amount of crew. Um, they are getting a little bit... Um, they were meant to change crew about two weeks ago and be get heading home to the UK. Um, but due to the circumstances, they didn't want to bring in 30 new people from the UK and other parts of the world, um, potentially bring any infection with them. So, yeah, about 30 at the moment. Yeah, OK. And... Um, you mentioned infection. Clearly, the rest of the world is in, in pandemic. That must be a real challenge, keeping the threat of coronavirus away from the research stations and, and the operations down there in general. How are you how are you managing to do that? 
Um, yeah, so I mean, that is really the focus at the moment is very much getting the people that aren't meant to be wintering because the winter season is starting out um, and keeping the virus out of Antarctica and the islands. Um, so things have very much have changed from the original plan a lot. So, yeah, we're not bringing any new people in. I was the last person to come in and I was quite high risk and uh, very much monitored for the first couple of weeks. Um, and... So no new people. There were meant to be about 50 new people. Even the station leader, who was meant to be going down, has been turned around because he's been in the Falkland Islands and deemed too high a risk. Um, the ship takes its time to get down there, so we've usually got a couple of weeks um, in between stops to see if any symptoms come. When we're at the Falkland Islands, we haven't been allowed off at all. Um, we bring cargo on, wash it down, or leave it aside for a while and keep two metres apart if we have had to be anywhere near anyone. Um, what else have we done? The we have had so in Rotherwell you have planes going in. Um, the they've only had one plane and the pilots are quarantined on both sides and they've actually stopped doing that as well because of the risk. Um, they when we do go to so when we went to the islands when they are keeping people on there we've just anchored off and taken cargo to and from rather than sending anyone ashore and Rotherwell we did. Uh, go into the brand new wharf and um, they've built a new wharf there first people to use it um but not allowed in any of the buildings can't touch anything we were allowed ashore to certain areas but had to keep that two meters distance and this was after three weeks of being isolated on the ship but just in case because we don't know about maybe asymptomatic carriage or anything you know so yeah wow that's amazing so even though antarctica supposedly is the, the only continent currently on earth without any confirmed covid cases it's still far from safe yeah, I mean, it's one is if you if you get it in there, it's just going to spread so quickly. Um, you do have a doctor or two down there, but they've got limited medical facilities and limited ways of getting it out. So it would just be um, a uh, yes, uh, pretty pretty bad if it did get down there. So, do you have access to say intensive care and ventilators if there was an outbreak and there were um, sick patients? Um, so there's a very a small medical facility because you are cut off in the winter. So I, four years ago, I did winter in Antarctica, in Rotherham. So I had 18 months down there and spent a winter there. You're the only doctor, um, in the summer there's two doctors, um, and usually you wouldn't be able to get people out or it would take several weeks if you needed to. So when I was down there, we did have a ventilator and anaesthetic, um, facilities, but I'm not an anaesthetist, and most of the doctors down there aren't, some of them are. Um, we have taken the anaesthetic stuff out, but I think there might still be a ventilator. But still, you know, you've got a limited supply of oxygen. You can't re... Um, there's no resupply of the oxygen. We've got oxygen concentrators. Um, there's just one doctor. There's only going to be one person that could be put on a ventilator. Um, you know, it is it is fairly limited. It's sort of set up for sort of maybe one um, urgent um, person at a time, um, although we do look at sort of mass uh major incidents occasionally but that's more trauma rather than this sort of thing yeah yeah okay and what are the medical facilities like on the on the ship on the jcr um so i've got a little i call it a surgery but it's a little sick bay um uh we've got we don't have a ventilator we've got a bag of masks you sort of sit there and do that for a while until we get anywhere um you know we can we can we've got medication we can intubate potentially but it's sort of an advanced sort of first aid with medication for a doctor when there's a doctor on board. Um, and then we'd be looking at getting somewhere where we can get more um, advanced treatment. Yeah. 
And are you, um, so you've got 30 crew on board, are you, presumably you're providing primary care for them. Um, have you been quite busy or, or fairly quiet? How have things been? Um, yeah, I've been, uh, it's been very quiet. I feel very guilty that I am probably the least worked medic in the world at the moment. Um, yes, I do do primary care, you get the odd patient, but with 30 fairly healthy people on, it's quiet. Um, so a lot of it is just being here. You're here just in case, because once you go 60 degrees south, you have to have a doctor on board ships. Um, in case something happens. Um, daily temperature checks is, is my main thing at the moment. Uh, we're, we have, we've been asked by... Um, so when we're taking all the people out of Antarctica, we're, we're dropping them off at a small cruise ship that we've chartered uh, where they can be isolated and stay on, and they've requested that we do daily temperature checks on everyone. So that's one of their criteria. Yeah, wow. And um, do you have a, a kind of... If, if say... The, you were measuring high temperatures and you were suspecting that, that coronavirus was on board. Do you have a, a kind of a, a plan of action for that? Um, well, we have we have rough plans. The problem is once it's on a ship, it is just going to spread around. We can't isolate the, the air for a start. Um, and everyone touches everything, especially when it gets rough. I mean, when I first came on, I thought, right, I'm an infection risk. I, I won't shake hands with anyone. I won't touch anything. And I wash my hands and do all of that. But as soon as we set sail, I mean, you have to, for your own safety, you have to be grabbing hold of everything. Everyone eats together. So it's, it's extremely difficult to isolate anyone. Um, the fact is that we are pretty much zero risk at the moment. We haven't let anyone ashore. We haven't, we've all been using sort of maximum things. So um, yes, it's, it is a, we'd have to just isolate the ship as a whole, I think, rather than anything else. Yes, I understand. Yeah, I mean, you'll be returning to shore in a, a very changed world. Mm, yeah. And yeah. T- tell us in ge- you know, general terms, this coronavirus aside, um, what's your kind of CASIVAC plan fr- from the ship? So the ship would be would have to move. We'd have to use the, the ship basically to to sail to the to either the Falkland Islands, um, which is the nearest place to us at the moment. Which um, and they have a, a larger medical facility there. Um, or Punta Arenas would be the other place to go to, um, but probably to the Falklands, and then fly out from there. Um, and then we'll just be keeping people on the ship. Yeah. So how long um, would it take to sail from if you're in Rotherham? your furthest, your most southern point, back to the, across the Drake's Passage, across the Southern Ocean, back to the Falklands Islands, how how long would that take? If the sea conditions were reasonable, it takes about five or six days um, to do that. So in the winter, you wouldn't be able to do that. But, um, True remote medicine. Yes, yeah, you are, you are cut off. And I say in the winter, it's even more cut off. Um, you have to you you have to assume, and you tell everyone that's going down there that you know you won't be able to be medevaced out. They have done medevacs. It takes days or weeks to organise. So, um, if, yeah. So if if you do have a sick patient, you're you are looking at some significantly prolonged field care before you can get them to definitive care. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've luckily it didn't happen to me. Um, my friend who was working at Halley, it happened to her and it's extremely stressful. You know, you are the, the doctor, the only qualified medic there. You've got advanced first aiders, but obviously that's not quite the same thing. You're in charge of them and you've got this person to, to look after for days and weeks who, who could potentially yeah, be deteriorating over that time. 
Yes, and you, you understand we're involved in a medivac from the Halley Research Station. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, again, I, I was more of a sort of drop-off point halfway. So to get anyone out of Halley or Rothera in the winter, it has to be by plane because the sea ice means you can't sail anywhere near. Um, so it's just all iced up around. <clears throat> all the planes are up in Canada. So the planes have to come down to Punta Arenas. Um, you have to get the pilots over. You have to get doctors over to do the medivac. Um, so they did all that. Um, this was taking, as, as I say, days or or couple of weeks really um and then they fly to rothera because we've got the airfield here and they have to stop to refuel you have to wait for good conditions luckily um that when this one happened there were good enough conditions that they could actually fly straight to rothera and then play refuel and fly straight out to halley and um, they picked up this guy um they gave him some blood there because he needed that um and then flew him back to rothera where he stayed overnight so that the doctor and the pilots could get some rest. To, um, and I was looking after him just, it was actually okay during that, that night. Um, and then the, he was flown back to Punta and then from there on back to the UK. Um, but it went, it went amazingly smoothly, but it still took days and oh, a couple of weeks to organize. Yeah. Even with the right conditions. Wow. God, the logistics must be mind boggling. Yes, I'm glad I'm not. Yeah, so that's all sorted out in the UK and um, by, yeah, by several people all over the place. Um, but they have the, they have all these plans in place in case this happens. But everyone is told that don't expect it because it might be the weather conditions aren't right. A lot of things you can't wait days or weeks and, and all you've got is the one doctor and the facilities there. So everyone is screened um you know, they all have medicals and, and good dental checks as well, because we're the dentist too, um, to make sure it's less likely. But obviously, things do happen. Yes. And they say that the Southern Ocean is the stormiest, uh, most dangerous sea or ocean on Earth. Have you experienced any big storms while you've been on the ship? Um, we've had rough weather, but they because we've got good um weather forecasts they they tend to avoid when there's going to be storms so they look for weather windows to do these sort of this sail so we set off a little bit earlier than planned from the Falklands so we're going kind of a slightly longer route where it's more sheltered and um just because there's been a weather window um but but have experienced pretty rough weather down here yeah yes what's that like when you're when it's really howling um well, you, you can't sleep because everything moves around. They don't have nice hammocks that move. So you're rolling backwards and forwards. Um, you're listening to things crashing all over the place. And then, you know, I had to get up several times to check the sick bay to make sure what I was hearing wasn't everything breaking. Next, next um, My cabin's right next door to the to the surgery. Um, and, uh, yeah, everyone's sort of going. And if you've just got the crew on, it's not too bad because they're used to it. But when, obviously, you've got the passengers on, everyone's being sick. And uh, you're trying to look after them all and uh, make sure they're getting fluids and any medication they need to try and make it a little bit more pleasant for them. Because, yeah, seasickness is pretty awful. Yeah, I bet. When you're on these big, well, well-equipped ships with uh, weather forecasting, um and all the facilities do you ever think about what it would have been like for Ernest Shackleton and his crew on their lifeboat traveling from the Weddell Sea up to South Georgia oh yes god we um so when we were going to South Georgia last we went past Elephant Island and then it took you know it seemed a, a pretty long time on a lovely ship that was going in the right definitely the right direction to get to South Georgia I thought god to do that on a little boat um 
without you know the most basic of instruments uh yes <laughs> i think about them a lot when i'm down here because yeah you you do go past all the places that i mentioned all those stories yeah Yes, because uh, I understand South Georgia, which is where uh, Shackleton finally reached the whale station to to get help for for the rest of his his men who were stuck on, um, uh, on the other right, Elephant Island. Um, that's part. That's on your itinerary. You're you're passing through there, aren't you? To South Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've been there. We've already been. So we went there before. Um, a few weeks ago to do some cargo like off we just anchored off we didn't we weren't allowed ashore I could look at the penguins from a distance and Shackleton's grave through some binoculars luckily I have been there before so I have seen it and then um, we are probably going back there to pick up some people but that's not confirmed because they were meant to be picked up by another ship um, it's whether that ship can do that anymore so yeah we'll be heading back I see and what's South Georgia like is there is there much there in terms of human habitation Oh, it's the, it is the most, I think, the most beautiful place uh, I've been. Human-wise, no, there's uh, just the British Antarctic Survey and the South Georgian government, which are all sort of in one place. Um, and then it's just mountains and lots of penguins um, and seals, whales. And they're, so they, you can't fly there. So if they need to medivac anyone out, it has to be by ship. Um, and then there's some people on Bird Island, which then in winter they just have three of them there and no doctor. So they spend several months with just three people and a lot of seals. <laughs> yes, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> but the wildlife in the Antarctic must be incredible. Have you managed to see much of it? Have you seen many kind of penguins or whales or uh, any other wildlife while you've been down there? Oh, yeah. So I'm usually a whale repellent, um, but this time it's been a little bit better. So um, from just from the bridge of the ship, we're seeing quite a few um, blows, quite a few, I think, Identifying them is difficult, but definitely humpbacks and some uh, minkies and things. And then uh, Rotherer, we did get ashore and I actually got to go back and say hello to all the penguins that I, I missed so much from when I was there last. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's really great, Bryony. So, Bryony, this is your third time on an Antarctic research vessel. Now, I understand the vessels have had a checkered history and unfortunately the first hms endurance it suffered a, a pretty major flood and nearly had to be abandoned can you tell me what happened uh yeah so that was over 10 years ago and actually that was a royal navy ship not not one of the research um ships but we did have british antarctic survey uh scientists and engineers on board and we had a british school well it was british schools exploring society in those days british exploring society um group on board as well um and we were just heading um we were going to head up to chile for christmas um and we had stopped um just off punta arenas or um quite a way off punta arenas actually and we're using our we had two helicopters on board using that to um get people off uh, that weren't the weren't the ship's company um they were working on a valve and i was chatting to a friend on a phone and suddenly you heard uh, casualty 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 so i rushed down to see what it was um and it was uh they were putting the cover back onto a valve they were working on um and suddenly the valve had opened and tons of water were just flooding into the engine room um the guy was just leaning slightly over this when it went and luckily if he was an inch further forward it would have knocked well he would have killed him probably but he just got a cut on his forehead and slightly concussed um yeah so the whole engine room flooded um fairly shortly after an hour or two we lost all power 
Um, we weren't at anchor, so we were just floating um, without power. The, I mean, talking about rough seas, we were with bringing water on board too, which makes the ship more unstable. We were nearly um, potentially going over each time. Um, and we were heading towards rocks. So we were making plans to, to abandon ship um, because we didn't really want to hit those, those rocks. And luckily, there was one sandbank because we had, they had set the, released the anchor and it took, the anchor took. Um, so that stabilised us quite a bit. Um, and then for the next three days and nights, uh, bailing out, using the pumps, trying to stabilise the ship and, um, and then got tugged back into Punta Arenas. And uh, luckily no one got seriously hurt. There were a few close calls um, and uh, apart from the ship, which was, uh, has, well, yeah, it's had to be uh, sent uh, for scrap now. Wow, that sounds like a terrifying experience. Yeah, so the first um, first few hours were, especially when they're talking about abandoning ship, you could definitely feel your adrenaline going. Um, and people, I mean, it was a Royal Navy ship. We'd done a lot of drills and actually that all came. Um, it did work and people were knew what to do, knew where to um, how to help. Um, everyone was, was helping out, even all the civilians on board as well, even though we, we, we did fly them off when it was stable enough to do so. Um, and, but a lot of adrenaline, but once it had settled down and we were doing it, actually everyone was coming together and it was, um, it was, um, a very, very, uh, yeah, scary, but, uh, but calmly done, I suppose. Yes. Was this something that you, in the Navy, you drilled and prepared for, or was this, did this come completely out of the blue? You do, you do prepare for floods i mean you do lots of drills for that you do training when you're back in the uk uh, there's something called the drew where they, they have a big compartment that they that's um, set up like a ship they flood it um, and then you have to sort of try and stop the flood and bail out and things and i always said you know if the doctor's uh having to do this the bailing out and stuff then there's a, we should be abandoning ship um and uh I was yeah in the first aid posts. Um, looking, we ended up doing more kind of a management of um, of the work uh, and who could go back rather than actually having any casualties. But uh, my my luckily my feet did stay fairly dry. Cool. So cl- close call. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And luckily, they didn't. Uh, Safety of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, many people. Brian, if that being their first experience of being in a ship in the Antarctic might not have gone back, but you've you've been back uh, since. <laughs> because it stopped, it took out the ship short. I was meant to get down to Rotherham and things, never got to go, so I had to find a way to go down, back down again. No, I'd. Uh... So you felt there was unfinished business? <laughs> Definitely. I, I always wanted to go to Antarctica since I joined the Navy and saw that ship. Got to see a bit of it and wanted to go down and see it properly and stay there. And uh, yeah, so I did go back. Brilliant. What is it about Antarctica that's really captured your imagination? That's, that's drawn you back? Um, the, the beauty of it, the remoteness of it, the wildlife. Um, it's, I suppose part of it is the privilege of being somewhere where so few people do get to go. Um, but it, it, I mean, I say the beauty, some bits where we go is beautiful with the mountains. Um, some people love that 
completely flat white area. I'm not so sure about that, but um, the Rother and South Georgia and places like that with with mountains and penguins and things, that's, that's the part of Antarctica that I love. Well, um, it's been great chatting to you. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's amazing that the line is so good, given that you're currently... Uh, uh, full steam on a on a ship in the Drake's Passage in the middle of the Southern Ocean and I can hear you pr- very clearly it's a what an age to live in yeah no it's definitely improved a lot in the last few years and just having 30 crew members and all the passengers on does help a lot at the moment yeah brilliant brilliant well um, on behalf of uh, everyone at World Extreme Medicine uh, we wish you the uh, the best of luck with the rest of your your trip. Um, it's fantastic having you as a member of our faculty, um, and we look forward to seeing you back in the UK safely soon. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Bryony.